What's up, everybody? This is Fred Ricciani of the Sports Courier Podcast. Welcome to TSC Podcast, episode 53. On this week's episode, we're talking about WWE Money in the Bank being canceled, sort of. Plus, we're going to be replaying our throwback interview with Edge from 2013, back when Adam Edge Copeland believed that he would be retired for good and just an actor. But hey, a lot can change in a few years. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the TSC Podcast. First things first, UFC, which I know is not totally related to WWE, but WWE is technically sort of a combat sport, canceled UFC 249. And in an embarrassing end to the saga of UFC president Dana White trying to run shows despite the obvious health risks, ESPN, actually a top ESPN slash Disney, the parent company executive, had to go up to Dana White and be like, yo, you can't run this show. You got to stand down. And well... UFC 249 is no more. Now, why is this relevant on a pro wrestling show? It's relevant because, well, UFC, be similar business models. Direct contact with opponents. Other sports pretty much shut down all across the world. The WWE and UFC were the two holdovers. But there's a plot twist. One, with the UFC having to be forced to not only cancel their pay-per-view, but postpone all shows indefinitely. That puts the pressure on NBC Universal and Fox Sports, the TV partners of WWE, to step in and be like, yo, you might not want to run these shows right now because we can't risk airing this and getting some bad publicity. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying that could happen. Now, here's the other monkey wrench, and this is an official announcement from the original home of WWE Money in the Bank, the Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. Quote, The WWE Money in the Bank event originally scheduled for Sunday, May 10th in Baltimore has been canceled. Refunds are available at all points of purchase. Now, according to WrestlingObserver.com, WWE is set to tape weeks upon weeks of shows starting tomorrow. And and if you're just listening to this now, that is Friday, April 10th is when they're going to start doing that and Resuming taping shows. Now, from what I understand, they do have SmackDown already in the can. They have, uh, I think, like a few NXT matches here and there already in the can. Uh, I believe uh, AEW ha- has uh, a few shows already in the can as well. But, uh, yeah, and, and a few people on the live stream are telling me, like, nice hat. If you're not watching the live stream, I'm wearing my trusty Yankees hat. Uh, as many of you know, the barbershops are closed. It's hard out here in these streets. I miss my fade. Uh, I can't line up a beard to save my life, so, uh, you know, my hair, I am also not only Venezuelan, but Arab, and us Arabs grow hair relatively quickly, like Wolverine, you know, so expect my hair to get get a little long, a little uncharacteristically long, easy for me to say, so maybe wearing a a few hats uh, for a while in the near future, but as for WWE, they're wearing many hats, they're wearing the hat of promoter, publicly traded company, medical company, having to look over all these wrestlers, having to make sure that everything stays in-house, that nobody gets infected, nobody gets tested tested positive or anything like that. Here's the issue. From what I understand, roughly, barely, I don't think even 1% of the United States population has been tested for COVID-19. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody here, okay? But that is crazy. And I know we're a humongous country, uh, one of the biggest countries in the world, but my God, I mean, South Korea is kicking our ass when it comes to testing and tracing. And I think until we can test 
and trace the the hot zones, which New York is kind of sort of starting to do. It's going to be a while, I think, before we have sports, at least sports as we know it. And then uh, when we're, we're talking about you know wrestling, like when it can be in front of live crowds, it might be a while too. Now, here's the thing. WWE, unlike UFC, is a controlled environment, right? It is pre-taped. There is no audience there. They're filming in the empty arena known as the WWE Performance Center. They're glorified NFL training camp, which is a badass facility, by the way. And, uh, well, you know, they could control the risk. Somebody bleeds, they could stop the match. Somebody gets injured, they could stop the match. In between matches, they could change the mats and and the uh, ropes and everything else to avoid COVID-19 infection or staff or whatever the case may be. But this is also pro wrestling, which means there are times when, well, part of my language, shit happens. People get hurt. In, in rare occasions, people have died. And that's just on a regular day. That's just on a regular professional wrestling day and night. Okay. When you're in that ring, you are putting your life online. Add on the added risk of infection with COVID-19 and you are playing with fire. And I just feel like as much as I did enjoy a WrestleMania overall, as much as I sincerely, genuinely appreciate the effort of all involved and with AEW too, I got I got to say, man, I really do feel like it's a ticking time bomb because you look at the NBA, all it took was one. Patient zero, Rudy Gobert to test positive. And it didn't just, sh- he didn't just shut down the NBA. That positive test, it didn't just shut down basketball. It shut down baseball. It's possibly going to shut down football. Now, granted, I think the expansion of the unfortunate outbreak is what's really going to shut down football. But for anybody to realistically tell you, yeah, you know, we're going to have games in the fall. We're going to have games in, in July or August or whatever. I would love to be able to confidently tell you all that. But at the, at the end of the day, we don't make the timeline. The virus does. And so I'm encouraging everybody while practicing social distancing to live their, their best life as they can or as much as they can, given the circumstances. For anybody that's an essential worker, obviously, God bless y'all. Nurses, medical practitioners, truck drivers, delivery people. I mean, anybody that falls under essential God bless you guys. Try Stay healthy. Take every precaution. But I, I, I just feel like it, as long as we don't have stringent testing, as long as we haven't flattened the curve yet, I mean, considerably flattened the curve, I just don't see it happening. So how does that relate to WWE? Well, WWE can keep doing all these shows and running in the Performance Center and trying to minimize risk, but here's the problem. We don't know everything about this virus. We don't. And while all of these wrestlers, or most of them, other than like Roman Reigns and a few other people, have pretty good immune systems. And look, let's keep it real. Roman Reigns has a great immune system as an athlete, and he's beaten cancer twice. He's an absolute badass. But this virus particularly preys on the vulnerable. And the more you put yourself out there, the more you're putting yourself in a position to get sick. And even if, like, say, a guy like Drew McIntyre or whoever doesn't get sick, they can be a carrier. They can, they can be a carrier for somebody else and... God forbid they get infected. I mean, I don't think I have to say this again. Uh, so uh, as far as money in the bank goes, I do think it'll happen. I do think it'll happen in the DDB Performance Center. But based on some of these ratings, man, I mean, the, the ratings did increase this week. The night after WrestleMania it was barely 2 million viewers. I know NXT barely beat AEW. I think it's like 693,000 viewers to 692,000. I get we shouldn't totally overanalyze these ratings because news stations are kicking ass right now with the coverage and everything, but I really feel like this empty arena stuff just isn't working. 
It isn't. It's a nice novelty for a few weeks, but WrestleMania was interesting from a curiosity standpoint, but it's not working. Now, why is that relevant? That's not working. Because if it's not working and it's not drawing and it's not making you any additional money or getting you any additional ad revenue or getting you any additional eyeballs, why bother taking the health risk of running these shows? If I'm WWE, here's what I do. You got a ton of stars. You got the Lord's treasure trove, treasure trove, easy for me to say, of footage. You could have one episode of Raw a week dedicated to just one superstar. Drew McIntyre's greatest hits with some different maybe documentary style things or maybe like a live interview with him. Uh, Brock Lesnar the following week. The Rock the following week. Stone Cold the following week. You know, big up your history. Promote your history. Edge, same thing. You know, and I'm sure they have some man a few other matches taped here and there. Maybe they have some stuff they taped for a main event that's not seen by a wide audience like there in between some, some of this footage and everything. But that's what I would do. Why take the risk? Same thing with AEW. I get AEW's got to run shows. They just signed a new contract. But, man, I got I got to say, when I watched AEW Dynamite, I know a lot of people thought that Britt Baker was cool, that she busted up her nose. And, look, she's an absolute badass, and I respect the hot of her. And she's actually grown to be one of my favorites. But she had a bloody nose. She continued the match. She's bleeding all over the place. She's bleeding on her opponent. And everybody's giving her props. And look, from a pro wrestling toughness standpoint, yo, I give her props. She's a badass for continuing that match. But the point of a head coach or a promotion or a sports team, whatever analogy you want to use, is to protect the athletes from themselves. Why somebody didn't think, hey, let's stop the match, reshoot it with her nose cleaned up, is beyond me. Now this, I mean, this virus can be transferred through liquids, through bodily fluids. Now, certain bodily fluids, according to who, uh, don't pose as much of a risk. I'll leave it at that. Still, why take the freaking risk, especially when you're not making money on ticket sales, and especially when you're not making money on pay-per-view, and especially when you're not making money, period. You're getting TV money anyway. You don't need anything else right now. You could still air highlights and promote your merchandise. Anyway, I wanted to take this time to also, uh, not just rants, but tell y'all about the latest wrestling news. If you don't know, Io Shirai is the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship. She's challenging Charlotte Flair at Money in the Bank, wherever the hell that's taking place, which I, I guess it is uh, going to be in Orlando. Uh, Johnny Gargano uh, defeated Tommaso Ciampa. I did not watch this match. I tried to. It was filmed sim cinematically, similar to the Boneyard match. Nowhere near as good. A lot closer to the Last Man Standing match, which I didn't think was very good. And that's coming from somebody that's a big fan of Edge and Randy Orton's work. Uh, Johnny Gargano did beat Ciampa, by the way, I believe with the help of Candice LeRae, and they teased Killer Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux feuding with them as, as they were looking on, I, I believe, in the car. There are rumors running rampant that maybe, just maybe, WWE would book Sting versus Undertaker in a Boneyard setting. I think that's more speculation from the fans. Honestly, I haven't heard anything. Uh, but that would be pretty badass if it could be uh, safely done. Edge said this on the Corey Graves podcast after the bell about his last man standing match. It wasn't even anything that we realized we were just going. And again, it, just, it was just ad-libbing and fighting. So they ad-libbed 42 minutes of that? By the time I was done, someone told me it was like 42 minutes long. I was like, really? Okay, well, damn, cool. My mind is good. I'm very, very proud of it. I heard there's feedback that it was too long and it's this and that. Listen to me. 
All of the feedback I've gotten personally to myself or social media feeds has all been positive. And he said Bret Hart called him and told him he loved it. Okay, cool. Look, I'm not hating. I'm not hating. But he also went on to say that he says that people shouldn't be complaining about a wrestling match during a pandemic. I would like to respectfully disagree with Edge. Who, by the way, I'm going to be showcasing an interview I did with Edge a few years ago on this podcast in a few minutes. But Edge uh, essentially said, come on, they're also the same people that are going to complain that Bill Goldberg and Brock Lesnar went for four minutes. I just think there's a segment of people that not enjoy not enjoying things and dwell on negatives. Look, people are allowed to like or dislike what they like or not like. They just are. I don't get this never-ending attitude in, in pro wrestling that you can't criticize or you can't say anything without, you know, oh, my God, you criticize the wrestling match. Oh, my God. People criticize me all the time. People criticize broadcasters all the time. People criticize sports. There's sports betting, right? You you bet on basically like who you think is going to do well, who's going to absolutely suck. There's Super odds. There's Yelp. Okay? There's movie reviews. There's Metacritic. There's Rotten Tomatoes. Who cares? If Bret Hart told you he liked it, that's it. Good. There. Move on. Oh, man. Listen, I don't want to raise my voice here. I like Edge a lot. I have a lot of respect for Edge. I'm not going to hate on Edge. I'm just going to say I respectfully, respectfully disagree. Richard Cook says Roman Reigns pulled out of wrestling due to his, due to his illness. He said it wasn't safe for him. Yeah, he did that IGTV video where he uh, talked about that um, pretty in-depth. I mean, yeah, I can't blame him. I think it's going to be a while, too, before we see him wrestle until it's safe for him to travel. And, you know, at the very least, until they get some reliable testing. Because even the testing now has a, from what I understand, a 30% chance of being false. In other words, 30% of the time, it's not accurate, which is way, way too high of a threshold right now, at least in, in my humble opinion. So, yeah, the only confirmed match we have right now for Money in the Bank, or did, is Io Shirai versus Charlotte Flair for the NXT title, which should be great, even though the wrong person will, will probably win and, and retain the title, such is life. But uh, I think that will be a hell, one hell of a match. As for who I would book Drew against if they do run it in, in the Performance Center, Man, that's a, good, that's a good question. I see a lot of people asking me that. I mean, you could find a way to get AJ Styles in contention, even though he's lost a bunch of big matches. That'd be kind of fun. At least they got the big show match out of the way. Uh, you know, the night after Raw, or I'm sorry, the night after WrestleMania. Actually, technically on WrestleMania, but it aired on Raw. So that I'm happy about. That I'm happy about. JJ Richardson says, what's up, TSC News? I enjoy watching y'all. Thank you guys for watching. By the way, thank you to everybody who tuned in to all our WrestleMania coverage. Just want to let y'all know, too, I just uploaded a Throwback Thursday clip the other day, actually two-day, with Dan the Beast Severin. Dark Side of the Ring on Viceland aired an episode on WWF Brawl for All. I actually interviewed Dan Severin two years ago about Brawl for All, and that clip where he specifically talks about Brawl for All and how awful an idea it was is now up on TSC News. But anyway, folks, before I go, I want to play you guys an exclusive interview I did with Edge Back in the day, this was just a couple of years after he retired when he thought he'd never wrestle again. He was diving headfirst, spearing headfirst into the acting world. So please sit back, relax, enjoy it. If you like this podcast, please like, share. Don't forget to subscribe and enable notifications once again because we got plenty of updates coming along. Until next time, as always, enjoy the matches and please enjoy this interview. 
I've been checking your Twitter, and it seems like every week you're at some different convention, whether it be a Comic-Con, a signing, something Haven-related. Have you been traveling more lately than WWE? It certainly seems like it. Uh, well, it, it's still been a lot of travel. Um, you know, my girlfriend always busts my chops saying I'm like the world's most unretired, retired guy. Um, it, you know, it's just that it's a different type of travel now. It's not a different city every day. At least now, if I, if I do something, it's, uh, you know, I'm in that city for at least, a, you know, a few days, um, whether it's for appearances or, or anything like that, it's, which makes it a lot easier to deal with. You know, now generally if I'm filming Haven for five months, I'm in the same bed for five months. So that makes it a lot easier, you know, when uh, you can adapt to like two or three beds throughout the year as opposed to like two or three hundred. And I'm assuming you're not sitting next to people the size of Big Show on planes now. No, no, no. It's actually... Uh, yeah, I'm considered the big person now, and uh, which is always strange for me. Like, oh, dude, you're a big dude. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I'm like average in the old job. <laughs> so uh, that that was one thing to get used to to realize that I was, you know, going to be about fifty or sixty pounds heavier than everybody I'm working with now. And do you get recognized more at these conventions for your work on Haven or WWE, or is it a little bit of both? Um, well, any convention that I did this year was was kind of. Uh, Act on the on the wrestling thing, so you know I don't really do a whole lot of them. Um, when I did, it was you know it was uh, it was wrestling fans that were coming because it was promoted, you know Adam Edge Copeland, the WWE Hall of Famer kind of thing. But now, little little by little throughout the year, it's really started to filter in. It's like, hey, Dwight, I'm like, oh wow, they they actually don't know about you know Edge, and that's that's pretty cool because. You know, initially when I first started this, I was like, okay, I just don't want to fall flat in my face. And then it became, actually, you know, I want to try and be good at this. I'm not just good for a, a former wrestler. You know, I actually want to try and, and um, get some chops and do, and do this, you know, um, some form of justice um, and not just... Uh, Oh yeah, he's he's pretty good for a guy you know who used to be a wrestler. I don't want to be judged on that criteria. Did you have any formal acting training, or did you just kind of transition from pro wrestling to acting and kind of learn on the job? Um, initially, it was it was just um, you know learn on the job. It was um, kind of all fell into my lap, and I fell into their lap, and um, yeah, it was just kind of figuring out as I went. And there were some similarities. Obviously, it's all performance based. Um, but, you know, with WWE, it's kind of instant gratification. You know right away whether something worked or not. Um, so you know whether to take it down a certain path or take it down a different path. Um, this was a lot, you know, it's repetition. Um, but the luxury of it is that you have a script now. And you can sit down with that script, you know, for a week or. You know, I, I personally like to sit down with the scenes that I have the next day, the night before, and really just kind of go over them and try different things. I never had that luxury before. Um, it was the way I like to do it, at least, um, was go out there with maybe five or six bullet points and, you know, fill 10 or 15 minutes on live TV. So there's similarities, but there's a lot of differences. And this was, uh, yeah, I was just kind of learning flying by the seat of my pants. This year, I finally took some classes, and um, yeah, I had some downtime after my neck surgery. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm I gotta actually try and, and put some work into this to try and improve my craft. How's your body feeling? 
feels pretty good. Um, feels way better than when, when I was getting thrown around. You know, um, you, you you start to uh, uh, realize what your new normal is. You know, when when you're doing that job, you're just kind of in a constant state of of pain, really, and and there's this kind of weird fog that happens when you travel that much, and you, you don't realize how. Um, you don't really carry on conversations with people anymore. You just kind of grunt and get to the next, you know, gate or, you know, the next arena. Um, so being retired from that now, I realize, you know, how beat up I, I felt um, as it kind of gradually wore away. I was like, wow, I'm starting to feel like a human being again. I, I was, you know, um, I was beat up. But, uh, you know, I wake up, I have energy now. Um you know, I, and uh, can do everything essentially that I used to do besides, you know, the actual wrestling. Is there anybody either on the cast of Haven or somebody that you know in the industry that's your go-to guy or girl for acting advice? Um, I, I kind of, I'll take advice from anybody. Um, you know, I'll sit down with whoever I'm doing my scene with and, you know, pick their brains. Um, and uh, everybody has been on Haven has been, really, really cool and understanding and kind of knew that I was jumping into this thing, um, you know, brand new. So, uh, it's been nice in that respect to be able to just kind of go, Hey, what, what do you think about this? What decision would you make? Or, um, what, what process do you kind of go through to get ready for something like this? So it's been really cool that, uh, they're willing to do that. And then I've, I've never had a problem asking for advice. I'd rather do that than, think I know it all and uh, not know it all. Because when do you ever really know it all? (laughs) Of course. And when you were a wrestler, was there ever a thought in the back of your mind thinking, hey, you know what, maybe I should try this acting thing? Of course, you did bending the rules for WWE Studios. Was there any point before you started with Haven that you said, you know what, maybe I should try movies after wrestling? No. No, it was never it was never a plan. I never even thought in those terms. It was I was like hundred percent focused on the job that was in front of me, which was WWE. Yeah, I mean that was what all I ever wanted to do. So, you know, while I was doing it, I wasn't starting to look at other things. I was really focused on that. And for me personally, at least the way I'm wired, um I had to be that way. I had to focus entirely on that or, you know, because it's so draining, if you're not, you're going to quickly get weeded out of the system. Um, and, you know, being there for 15 years, um, that for me was the way I had to do it because if I started spreading myself any more thin, it just, I would have been gone way before that. Um, I had offers throughout the years and I just, uh, it didn't appeal to me at the time. You know, I was fully, fully immersed in doing, you know, WWE, you know, but I had to retire. So what do you do? Well, okay, let's see. What is there to do? Um, and, uh, yeah, this all, the, the Haven role just all kind of fell into place like two days after I retired. Um, so it was kind of a nice little bit of serendipity and it just, it just worked out, but it wasn't anything that I was, you know, working toward. What happened is I enjoyed myself a lot. It was a lot of fun, and it was still a creative process that I was able to kind of dip into and that I realized I needed. Um, so because it was fun, that's kind of why it's continued. You know, it's it's been a really, it's been a great, great 
yeah, it's a great gig if you can get it. You know, it's uh, just like wrestling was. Do you have a sense of camaraderie with the cast and crew like you did with some of the guys in WWE? Uh, it's a different kind of camaraderie. You know, um, it's it's much less political. Um, it's it's a little bit more of a. Uh, um, I don't. I, it, it, there's there's similarities for sure because you're with these people. Um, you know, in wrestling, you're with them more than you are your family. With this, uh, with acting, it's your five months together, and then um, and then suddenly you're not. So there's kind of like a reentry into normal everyday life after that. Whereas with wrestling, you you never have that reentry. You are always in it. Um, and and I think I don't know. I think with wrestling, it's just it's a lot more political. Um, you know, you fight for TV time, and and I'm sure there's aspects of that in TV too. But I, th- I think maybe I've been spoiled with the cast and crew that I got out there in Haven. And um, yeah, I mean, I'll go play badminton with with uh, Lucas and his daughter and his wife after work. You know, I mean, it's just um, yeah, it's I think it's easier to uh, develop a, a friendship in that setting. Your character Dwight Hendrickson is a pretty cool dude. He's also got a facet that the Edge character didn't have, which is a facet of vulnerability. Was it a challenge playing that character? Um, yeah, it, it was actually because, you know, with with Edge, it was always the vulnerability was as a bad guy and you're kind of scooting on your butt. And um, there, there's uh, a little bit more of that over-the-top, you know, evil kind of curl-the-mustache type of um, vibe. Whereas with, with Dwight, um, he's just, he's a nice guy who, uh, wants to take care of those around him and, you know, tragic story of, you know, his daughter being killed because she had the same trouble as him. And I mean, you, you, you watch it, you go, man, I feel sorry for that guy. And he's still like an upstanding dude, you know? Um, so I think, uh, there's, with that, there there was the challenge of okay, can I pull this off? Because anytime I've done you know vulnerability in a character before, like I said, it's always very you know evil, dastardly, you know over the top type of thing. So I didn't know if I could actually convey real um, you know well, can you feel for this guy? I don't know. He's six four, he's two hundred fifty pounds, and he's a former army ranger. So thankfully, they wrote uh, a character that there's some vulnerability and. And I actually, uh, I was happy with some of the, the end results of um, being able to do it and not uh, not have you think, okay, well, that guy's, you know, bigger than everybody else. And, um, you know, he's just kind of the, the big former badass. I, I'd like to think you look at him and go, man, he's a nice guy. I feel bad for him. And if you can do that, um, maybe you've done your job. I don't know. But it, it, was, a, it was a bit of a challenge initially to, to see you know okay can i do this i'm sure it was a challenge obviously at times maybe i'm sure you must have felt like you were out of your element a bit when did you finally feel like you were really part of the haven crew where you felt like you were kind of right at home and hitting your stride uh probably the the start of my second season which was the third season um because you know i wasn't just the new guy coming in and you know, doing four episodes, it was like, okay, I, I did four last year. I'm here for more this year. Um, it kind of, I hate that term, organically grew, but it really did. It was uh, kind of a, 
you know, it was supposed to be one episode that turned into four that turned into more. And part of that is because of um, how comfortable, you know, I felt with everybody and I guess how comfortable they felt with me. Um, so it, uh, by the second season, I started to feel like, okay, I'm, I feel like this is, you know, a new home. And um, by this season, I, I coming in with more tools and then knowing everybody that just, you know, that much more and knowing my surroundings too, knowing where I was going to be living and, you know, kind of the lay of the land, it all kind of helps, um, helps with what you got to do at work. Does it feel weird through, to walk through doorways and not have pyro and ultra bridge blasting in the background? Well, actually that, that's part of my contract. Uh, anywhere I go, including at home, I, I make my girlfriend, she has to provide pyro and ultra bridge at all times. Um, and sometimes the guys will come and play live, even though there's nobody here, you know, just strictly in the house. As I walk out of the bathroom from my shower, they'll, they'll cut right into it. Um, pyro goes off. It's not quite WrestleMania pyro, but, um, it, it's still pretty substantial, especially in this neighborhood. <laughs> Close enough. And when you're on the red carpet for sci-fi, do you ever get inclined to do the five-second poses, or have you, have you learned to have self-control after all these years? No, way more self-control. Plus, uh, now I'm usually wearing a suit, and I'm all uh, you know, short-haired and quaffed. So the five-second pose with the people that would be taking the pictures now, they go, "Okay, is this guy having a stroke? Like, what? What's, <laughs> why? Why is he frozen in that pose? Do you smoke toast? No. Okay, I'm fine." Yeah, and another hit show on Sci-Fi is, of course, Friday Night SmackDown, a show you were a staple of for a number of years. I'm sure you get this question asked all the time, but in the event that your ex-wife, Vicky Guerrero, gets fired again, would you be open to returning as the SmackDown general manager? Uh, it would honestly depend on the schedule. You know, um, I, I really like not getting on multiple planes. Um, I really don't miss airports. I don't miss hotels. Um, you know, if I could have continued the job and stayed in my bed every night, I could have done it for the, you know, 50 more years. But, um, that's one of the great things about acting is generally you're at least in the same place for a little while. So it's, it's that convenience is really nice. To answer the question, probably not. No. Um, you know, I'm kind of, my, my whole idea of it is always, if I can't get in the ring, I don't really want to be there and be that close to it and not do it. Um, you know, if I distance myself, it's, it's for that reason. It's like, well, if I can't be there and do the thing that I actually love about the job, then I don't necessarily want to be around it as a reminder. Um, so I, I don't know if it could be fun and it could be, uh, great stories that could come out of it than possibly, but right now, just the idea of traveling and everything like that don't aren't that appealing to me. Oh, man, I thought Mick Foley was the uh, king of cheap plugs. We actually asked a few viewers uh, if they wanted to submit some questions related to Haven and your life after wrestling, and from Paul Lazenby, Fred, can you ask Adam Copeland about his involvement in my soon-to-be best-selling book, When We Were Bouncers? Shameless. <laughs> Shameless self promotion. Uh, <laughs> yes, I uh, I lent uh, a couple of stories to Paul um, for his book. Um, I mean, because there's some ridiculous stuff that we encountered before, 
any of us ever got to WWE. And uh, generally, most of us were bouncers to supplement uh, jumping around in tights on the weekends, you know? So, um, yeah, I uh, had a, a couple of, you know, pretty uh, pretty stupid stories uh, over the years from bouncing in, you know, various little dirty nightclubs and stuff. So, um, yeah, one involved uh, male strippers. The other involved uh, just this huge barroom brawl with Christian jumping off of poles to crossbody guys and just the complete stupidity. <laughs> we have another question here. What do you think WWE fans who haven't sampled Haven yet would like most about the show? Uh, well, if the WWE fans, probably the fact that, you know, Edge is in it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know if if you like Stephen King, if you like uh, kind of creepy things, if you like um, um, beautiful scenery. Um, it's a good-looking cast. I mean, <laughs> it, it, uh, if you're a woman, there's a bunch of you know, man meat on there. And if you're a dude, there's some pretty girls that are in, in cool, um, strong, you know, roles in the show. Uh, you know, it's, it, uh, I, I really do think this year it's kind of, uh, it's a lot more cohesive, you know, it's easier to kind of keep track of, but I still tell people to, to go back and, and watch the other seasons to really kind of understand what's going on. Because if you just try and jump in in the fourth season, you'll you'll kind of be like, well, as with any show, like, okay, what's going on? Who are these guys? What, what are they doing? Um, yeah. So it's um, it's creepy. It's um, and it's in a great setting. Well, it's great to see that Surly Sci-Fi has gotten behind the show. Definitely gotten behind you. There's another guy that has a sci-fi show, Joe Rogan. He questions everything. You've been around some yes. creepy supernatural dudes like The Undertaker, Kane, Gangrel, <laughs> you know, the, the Ministry of Darkness. Could we see Adam Copeland making an appearance on that show? I I absolutely love that show. Um, I uh, I was I was really excited when I saw that, and I ran into Joe at a upfront presentation that sci-fi did this year and we're we ended up talking about mma but uh yeah i've always enjoyed his commentary and um and the stand-up show so i thought okay i gotta give this you know a shot and i really really enjoyed it um i uh i love questioning stuff so but as soon as i see sasquatch or bigfoot i'm sold so i I really enjoyed it though and I, i actually learned a lot i didn't know about chemtrails um you know, a lot of the things, uh, you know, the subjects on there I hadn't actually heard about. So I was like, okay, I got, you know, I've heard about Sasquatches, but I, I haven't heard about this. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. I actually really, really enjoyed that. Um, it's on my DVR, so I have proof. All right. Well, we'll definitely get Joe Rogan to get you on an episode one day. Adam, we thank you so much for the time. Before we go, where can fans find you online and any upcoming events you're involved with? I am, uh, my docket is clean. I specifically didn't book anything. I wanted to really just relax and, um, yeah, paint and stuff. So that's what I'm doing. I'm mountain biking, I'm painting and walking dogs. Sounds like an exciting life, sir. <laughs> all in a day's work, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I did I did all that hard work so that I could do this now. Fair enough, fair enough. And folks, you can follow Adam online at Edge Rated R. Of course, you can also check out sci-fi.com for more information on Haven. Adam, thanks so much for your time, man. Best of luck and everything.